0: Well, you know, I'm good because for this entire podcast episode, I get to talk about Supreme Court rulings. (laughs) Yes,
1: yes, we're doing our annual wrap up of the Supreme Court um, for the October 21 through June 22 season. Term. term I know season's <laughs> like it's a television show um, I have to say by the way that somebody the other day said uh, said to me I'm watching the January 6th hearings'm I'm, I'm up to episode four <laughs> I like, okay I don't know how I feel about that
0: well um, I mean but I mean this really does reflect <laughs> how Americans been few wh- all of this binge watch stuff right, right. <laughs> okay up to episode four <laughs> you know because you know you and i've talked about for instance uh, i'm a huge fan of uh uh the tv series bosch right mm-hmm. which is based on a series of books written by michael connelly right but you know i've tried to turn on as many friends okay as possible to bosch right so you know i'll go ahead and ask him okay uh, now, what season are you on? What episode, right? And they're just like, not all of us binge. And I'm like, but most Americans do binge watch, right? You know, I've had friends who are just like, so Augie, have you watched all the episodes of the January sixth, you know, committee, <laughs> all episodes? <So> <laughs> like, they're hearings, and they're like,
1: right? They're not episodes. They're like, well, they're kind of like episodes. Okay. Yeah. okay. I, it's funny to me because, you know, I think of episodic television as the Great British Bake Off, not the Congress holding hearings. But <laughs> yeah. but do you? Um, and if you're watching the hearings, good for you, because sometimes that can be quite the slog, right? To, yes. yes. To keep up with all that level of evidence and that sort of thing. Anybody who's ever watched any hearings. And by the way, for listeners who are younger, um, <clears throat> the the one in my youth was Iran-Contra. Yes,
0: yes. yes.
1: And it was riveting, right? Yes. But the one in my siblings, my older siblings' youth were the Watergate.
0: The hearings, yes.
1: The Watergate hearings, and they were riveting. So it is kind of interesting to watch Congress in action and what they think is important and the kinds of questions they ask. Remember that a vast number of people who are in Congress are also trained as attorneys. So, and all of the committees have attorneys uh, like they all have counsel. Every yeah. committee has counsel
0: yeah. because
1: sometimes when a committee wants to put forth a bill, they need to bring in a lawyer and the lawyer says, no, 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 you can't do that. That's not or sure. Great. It's fine. It's not going to be a problem. And then they find out later. It is. But anyway, um, OK, so we're going to talk about the high profile cases. We're not going to talk about all 63 cases plus the 10 Um
0: Shadow docket
1: cases because yeah. we don't have that kind of time and nobody has that kind of interest. Uh, well, a few people do. You do. But <laughs> uh, but the vast majority of people kind of want a, a sort of a hit the highlights. Yes. So the first case that you have listed here is USV Tsarnaev, which is...
0: The Boston bomber case. And um, that's the
1: younger brother. The older yeah, that, brother died. This is the younger brother who yeah. survived the manhunt.
0: Yes. Uh, The trial court, um, uh, the jury uh, 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 gave him the death sentence, um, and that was appealed. And the appeals court overturned the death sentence. So the United States government um, appealed the lower court ruling to the United States Supreme Court and uh, the Supreme Court decided six to three on conservative to liberal justice lines. And by the way, listeners, um, th- that's a particular theme in a lot of these cases. I was going to
1: say, get used to six, six versus three. And when we say that, what we mean is six conservatives, the, three liberals.
0: liberals. Yes. Um, uh, the Supreme Court overturned the federal appeals court uh, decision um and um uh so uh and restored the
1: death penalty
0: we've restored the death sentence that's right okay yep. yeah
1: so uh, is that in part because it was a terrorism case that the u.s government
0: um uh, well th- the issue that uh, the defendant's attorneys brought up okay um was in regards to the jury instructions. Ah. Okay, the jury instructions. Um, right.
1: And and just as a side note, for anybody who hasn't remember, let's quickly remind you that the Supreme Court is an appeals court. Mm-hmm. It is, it does not hear the facts of the original case. Like they're not interested in in finding you not guilty of being the Boston bomber, right? Not guilty no. of terrorism. That's not what they question. What they question is whether the it law was trial,
0: yeah. Was the trial conducted fairly? Right. right. Um. And as far as the conservatives were concerned, it it was. It was. Um. Okay. And 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 this was a difficult case for the Biden administration, uh, because the Biden administration actually was arguing in front of the Supreme Court that the death sentence, um, was uh. A constitutional punishment um, uh, for the defendant. Um, and uh, for the Democratic Party, um, it's been a long standing platform in their um, uh, uh, national convention uh, that they are against uh, the death penalty. Um, so this was, this was weird. It, this was very weird, right? This was very weird um uh the but out-
1: you know the Biden administration is probably thinking in terms of sending a message and this is the war on terror and there's right there's all these other the layers into the, this
0: yeah the prerogatives of the political branches to be able to have that as a particular punishment for various federal crimes and right? for an
1: attack on the state state
0: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: so um what's the next one
0: uh, the next one, um, and this kind of got overshadowed because of the Dobbs ruling, but back in the fall, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court heard a case, uh woman's whole health versus Jackson concerning uh, Texas uh, law SB8, which bans abortions after fetal heartbeat was detected and which would be enforced by non-government actors in civil suits. Um, And the Supreme Court by a five to four vote largely upheld the law, largely upheld the law. Uh, The only conservative justice who voted against was Chief Justice John Roberts. Um, um, So, you know and for listeners um, you know this this is the uh, the state law that has the rather controversial provision where no Texas government actors would enforce the law
1: but civilians could so
0: th- sue in
1: a, a, let's say a clinic they could sue the for, the medical professionals in that clinic
0: if they performed an abortion. abortion after after the fetal heartbeat. heartbeat was detected. That's right. And this is controversial um, because, as John Roberts pointed out in his dissent, um, this is basically the government outsourcing enforcement right. of laws. I was going
1: to say ceding enforcement, enforcement to rando people who want to bring and, lawsuits. And this...
0: And this really does, div- this is problematic, Nia, for both liberals and conservatives. Because liberals have long held that various, if you will, types of laws might be enforced by non governmental actors. So, for instance, see the 1964 Civil Rights Act or various provisions of environmental laws. Where you as an individual don't have to wait for the government to bring a lawsuit to stop somebody from, you know, endangering a particular species. Right, okay? For conservatives, okay, as was pointed out in a number of commentaries, um, conservatives might have liked this in regards to abortion, but what about the enforcement of gun control laws? Right. You know, victims can now, you know, could you see states and by the way, California um, was considering such a law, um, you know, could the state of California basically allow victims of gun violence to bring lawsuits against the manufacturers of guns or those who actually use the gun? OK, you know, so where does this stop? Okay.
1: Yeah, we'll probably see another version of this. Yes. Come before the court. Mm-hmm. I. It would not surprise me if in a couple of years, this has worked its way through the system. Yes. As a, as a, let's revisit this question. So then there's North, uh, excuse me, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. Is is that? I, I can't remember. Is that the case where? They They only wanted you to be able to carry a gun to a to a range,
0: uh, and no. back.
1: You couldn't. Okay, no, that's no, a no, different no. case, isn't it? No, okay. That was
0: a that was a different case, that eventually got um, uh, mooted uh, because the city of New York um, uh, scrapped that ordinance. Okay. Okay. Uh, And we talked about that in our previous, um, if you will, uh, uh, um, uh, episode, um, uh, Guns of New York. Okay, right. Uh, But this is a particular case, New York had a concealed carry firearm law, um, which was challenged for violating the Second Amendment. Because basically, New York Um, told gun owners they had to show why they should receive a permit to carry a firearm outside their home. And in most jurisdictions in the state of New York, the decision to grant the permit was hardly ever given. So in effect, okay, most New Yorkers were never received a permit to carry a firearm outside their home. Okay.
1: Because the Uh, show give me a reason is a subjective
0: standard. Yeah. If the other
1: person on the other side of the table doesn't like your reason.
0: So. Okay. It gets challenged. Oh, so it's
1: unevenly
0: enforced. It's unevenly enforced. And which
1: gets, which brings a lawsuit. Okay.
0: And a majority of the Supreme Court, the vote was six to three, and the majority opinion was written by Justice Thomas. Um, The Supreme Court held that states um, can regulate the possession of firearms outside the home, but those regulations must be consistent, okay? With historical practices of when the civil liberty was created in the Second Amendment. So basically, okay, the burden is on the government, not the individual. All right, the burden is on the government, okay. So the, the
1: individual doesn't have to tell you why they need a gun, you have to tell them why they don't need a gun.
0: Well, why they can't have a gun outside the home, right? right. Okay. Okay. And a good way to think about a good distinction here is uh, Nia is in 43 of the 50 states in this country, states have what is uh, known as shall issue carry permit schemes. So basically, the states have objective standards or criteria, and if a person meets them, they can get the permit. Okay.
1: You have to take a class. You have to be a certain age. You have to pass a background check. Check. There you go. Check, check, check. You're done.
0: Yes. And the burden is on the government to explain why your permit was denied.
1: We looked in your background check, and it turns out you're an axe. Well, no, you're a gun murderer. Axe murderer would let you still have a gun. Um, But you've, you
0: know. No, but if you got a history of violent crime, that could be a reason not to. Gotcha. Grant you the permit. Okay. But New York and five other states, okay, the person had to show why they have a good reason for a carry permit to have a gun outside the home. Okay. And according to Thomas's majority opinion, there's no other constitutional right where a person has to demonstrate to the government. Why they want to exercise the right. Okay.
1: Hmm.
0: Okay. So, basically, what this is going to force is New York, California, and I think four other states, okay, uh, to change their. they're permitting laws to, yeah, the, yeah, their permitting law to be clearer. Yes.
1: Right. And it will be up to the government to say you can't have one and here's why. You're rejected yeah. and here's why. Yeah. So it okay. All right. Um In that one's case, complicated. It's complicated,
0: but what I've told a lot of people, okay, is we're not going to be seeing gun regulations or gun control laws. Like removed. The burns, you know, the burden is going to be on the government in regards to the issuing of permits. But as Thomas's majority opinion made very clear, and as did also Justice uh, Kavanaugh's concurrence, the Supreme Court has said the individual right in the Second Amendment may be regulated for a number of reasons.
1: Right, it just has to be evenly enforced, evenly regulated, and not subjectively regulated. That's right. It has to be objectively regulated. But you can say, a a state can easily say, no guns on campus. Sure. We can declare that a government-owned physical place Is not, you cannot carry a weapon on that. And that's the end of the story. You can sue and say, I want to carry a gun to school and you're never going to be found. They're never going to find for you because they're going to always find that the state has the power to regulate.
0: As long as the state can articulate, okay, a good reason for the regulation. Right. Okay, You know, you mentioned, um, you know, prohibiting guns in government buildings. Um, bars, right? Right,
1: Right. places where drinking is taking place, place, right? Okay, might not be a good place to allow guns. Okay, maybe I'm just saying,
0: you know, no guns in public schools,
1: right? Okay,
0: um, you know, or public parks, or you know, whatever the case may be. Okay, Mm -hmm. the burden is going to be on the government, but if the government can articulate, okay, a good Police power reason, all right, judges are still going to go ahead and say the regulation is fine. Right. right? You know, what was really unusual about this case was it was so difficult in New York to ever get a carry permit to have your gun outside your home that, in effect, there wasn't really a carry permit program. right? Right. I mean, it was so discretionary. Right. That then there nobody were, got them. Yeah. There were certain parts of New York, for instance, OK, where, you know, you had business owners who are carrying huge amounts of cash who wanted to have a gun, OK, for protection purposes, but they were being denied. OK. So, you know, it, uh, again, <laughs> OK. Once again, we come back to the fact that the way the press reported the court's decision in this case, and again, on the heels of what happened in Uvalde, Texas, right, and all of the other shootings. Okay, the the, the timing of this decision was, was horrific. Was terrible. Yeah, it was yeah. horrific. Right, but at the same point, okay, or at the same time you know, I read Robert's majority opinion, okay? Um, It's going to make it a little bit more difficult for states to regulate it. But if they can articulate a good reason, they're going to be able to go ahead and justify this. Right. So, I mean, you know, for all of our listeners who are huge Second Amendment advocates, okay? They're not coming for your guns. They're not coming for your gun. But at the same point, you're still going to have to go through, okay, government regulations. Right. You you <laughs> should.
1: You're going to have to accept the compromise.
0: I mean, it, it's it, that's always been part and parcel of the Supreme Court's, you know, DC versus Heller and McDonald versus Chicago rulings, right? The question is, what regulations are constitutionally permissible? Right. Next case, okay.
1: Okay, we should caveat by saying yes. <laughs> again, we are not going to articulate our opinions. No. On the okay. subject matter of the case. No. And that is Dobbs v. Jackson, which is, um, I think, commonly known as the case that overturned Roe v. Wade.
0: Yes. Okay. Um, the question that the court and initially. Uh, decided to address when they took the case was, does the Mississippi law banning abortions after the 15th week of a woman's pregnancy violate a woman's right to privacy? But that's not how the case turned out, okay? Because ultimately, the vote in this case was 5-1-3. Five of the justices held that the Mississippi law was constitutional um, and they overturned Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey precedents. So five of the justices decided that, right? So basically now going forward, state laws, okay, that regulate ban abortions, as long as they satisfy rational basis review, they satisfy the federal constitution. Now, does that mean state laws regulating or banning abortions satisfy state constitutional provisions? That is a completely different issue, <laughs> okay?
1: And is currently being fought out in many oh, yes. in many state courts around this good nation.
0: Yes. And um, while people podcast, try to
1: figure out what state constitution say about this yes about this right about yes. the right to to privacy okay but the one in this case is J.
0: rob right yes. chief justice john roberts actually would have upheld the mississippi law but he would not have overturned roe v wade or plan parenthood he said the court could have addressed the question it told the parties to brief, and he would have upheld the Mississippi law. And then there there were three justices in the dissent. Breyer, Sotomayor and Kagan, they did the rather unusual. They penned a joint dissent where none of them claimed authorship. They would have deemed the Mississippi law unconstitutional. Because they believe the Mississippi law violated both Roe and Planned Parenthood precedents. Yes. Okay.
1: But this question is far from settled.
0: Oh, my goodness. And we should
1: just assume that what this has done is move the arguments from the federal court system to the state court system. Yes. So that now states will, there are states that have trigger laws that if Roe v. was ever overturned, it would automatically trigger into, into law various abortion um, prohibitions. Yes. And almost all of those have been frozen by state government and by state uh, courts Word. while arguments are being made, right, in terms of what state constitutions, because basically what the justices did was kick this back to the states. They said that it, it's an individual state it's up to individual states to make these decisions, so now that's where the the arguments are being are being made. So if you want to follow that in your state, you should find your state uh, Supreme Court because no doubt if it's not there, it will end up there <laughs> quickly, and then the discussions will be had in that way. Yes. <clears throat> so our next case, Shin v. Ramirez. Yes. It gets into this question of habeas.
0: Habeas corpus, Yeah. And
1: habeas corpus is the right of the body or the holding of the body.
0: Yes. Right? Okay. Um, so this case, you had a defendant who claimed um, he should have habeas corpus review in federal court. Because he believed he received ineffective legal counsel in a state criminal case. So think about this. So, Nia, in the Constitution, okay, you have a civil right to where you're supposed to receive legal counsel, right? That's one of your constitutional rights, okay, in a criminal case. Now, let's say. You go to trial um, and you lose. And one of the reasons why you think you lose is because you received poor representation by your legal counsel, right? Now, you want the federal courts to review this because you're not entirely confident that the state court system will be all that open. To you getting a new trial because you received ineffective legal counsel, right?
1: Right, because that's a really hard thing to prove.
0: It's a really hard thing to prove, and moreover...
1: Maybe your lawyer was just bad at lawyering.
0: Yes, okay? But it wasn't personal. They weren't... Or maybe they were inexperienced, or maybe they just got outperformed by an experienced state prosecutor.
1: Or maybe you were guilty.
0: And they couldn't get you off. Get get you off. Or maybe you didn't really help your attorney.
1: Right. Okay. I'm not going to take the stand. Okay. Well, that's going to be harder for us to tell the story then.
0: What the Supreme Court held, six to three, conservatives versus liberal justices. Okay. Um, The defendant in this case did not have the right to habeas corpus review in federal court. This is, and the reason why I and other constitutional law scholars really honed in on this case this term is that this is at least the fourth Supreme Court ruling in the last decade, where the conservatives on the Supreme Court have told let, lower federal courts that federal courts should not be a roving review commission of what goes on in state courts.
1: Well, we'll just let the Supreme Court settle it. No, you should settle it. This doesn't need to come to
0: us. This is a really good example of what you and I have discussed previously, judicial federalism. This is the recognition of the United States Supreme Court that, let's face it, most litigation in this country does not occur in federal courts. Most of it, anywhere from 90 to 95% of all cases in this country are handled by state courts. Do you? Do we want the federal courts to always be second guessing what state judges do? No. Okay. On the other hand, okay, do we have state court systems where attorneys representing defendants particularly poor persons of color get adequate legal counsel no
1: <laughs> oh my i see the contradiction
0: here we go here's the conflict right right Here's the conflict right um and and that's why this case Okay, for many criminal defense attorneys and many constitutional law professors, okay, was you know we focused on it because it didn't get very much attention from the press. Yeah. Okay. But this is a huge issue in criminal trials, right? But nevertheless, you can tell the conservatives on the Supreme Court are tired of lower federal courts. Jumping in and second guessing what goes on in state court systems. But if they don't do that, okay, how do we make sure that there's adequate representation? Okay. Okay. Because, you know, this is a well accepted fact in, you know, criminal cases and criminal law. If you don't have a good lawyer, okay it could have a huge impact on whether or not you win or lose the case and how much time you spend in prison. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. enormous effect. Not enormous, right? Enormous. There's a couple more cases I wanted to go ahead and discuss before we wrap up this episode. Um, one is the Carson versus making case. Um so we're going to switch gears to a different part of the U.S. Constitution. Um, listeners, Carson versus Macon was uh, the case where the state of Maine was alleged to have violated the equal or the uh, religion clauses of the U.S. Constitution. And what may you ask? Did the state of Maine do? Okay. Is
1: this the the school scholarship basically you could get yes you got money to go to various schools some of them religious
0: okay so maine is a very rural state very small doesn't have a lot of population
1: it's not small physically but it's small population in right. terms of population
0: right right so and people folks are spread out yeah they are spread out i mean one of the reasons why you live in maine is
1: to be spread out from
0: other people. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah, if you,
1: if you don't want your neighbors within a couple of miles, move to Maine That's one or of the, Montana. It's like, one of
0: the, you know, it's one of the great things about the United States, right? Elbow room. Okay, if you don't want to live really close to a lot of people. We can we, help you out. We can help <laughs> you out, we, got a, we have a state like Maine, right? But this provides a public education problem, Nia, because there are school districts where there aren't enough kids to make it financially smart or wise to have a public high school. So the state of Maine came up with a program to where if your school district did not have a high school, the state would give you money so that you can enroll your child or children into a private high school, but there- Many of
1: which are religious.
0: Ah, but there was one big exception. You couldn't use the money for private religious high schools. And this is what led to the challenge because the claim was by denying the use of the money for private religious high schools, the state of Maine was burdening the free exercise of religion rights, okay, of certain parents and school children. And the United States Supreme Court agreed with that argument in a six to three vote, okay? Conservatives versus liberals.
1: (laughs) Right, but the solution to this question because one of the reasons that people object to state money going to to religious organizations is that they can discriminate based on their faith, right? They can say, if they're a Catholic school, they could say, we're not going to take any non-Catholics, or we're not going to take any gay Catholics, or we're not going to take any whatever Catholics. And the way that the... And, and what the Supreme Court has told states to do, basically, is to say, you don't put the burden on the parents with the scholarship, you put the burden on the school for taking federal or state monies.
0: Well, not necessarily. I mean, the, the U.S. Supreme Court with this decision, Nia, basically told the state of Maine, you got a choice. Either you provide public high schools. Okay. Or if you create a scholarship program so that Maine residents can send their kids to private, you can't discriminate based on religion. You have a choice. You have a choice. Okay. Right. But didn't
1: they follow that up with telling religious schools that they couldn't discriminate?
0: Oh, the way Maine's getting around it is by saying, If you're going to go ahead and accept the money, you have to follow the state's non-discrimination laws. Right. right? That that's. Okay. And that actually would hold up before the Supreme Court. Maybe.
1: Well, we'll see, because I'm sure there'll be a lawsuit in a couple of years. Well, the
0: reason why I say maybe is in our next podcast episode, when we look at cases that the Supreme Court has already agreed to take in its next term. Okay, such a state law ah um, is
1: being challenged.
0: Is being challenged.
1: Okay, well, then we'll see what they we'll see what they do.
0: Yes, um, just a couple more uh, cases. Um, uh, one, and this one came from the infamous shadow docket. <laughs> uh, listeners may recall last year the Biden administration, okay, issued through the uh, federal agency known as OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Hazards Administration, regulations that would have required businesses with over 100 employees to implement a mandatory COVID-19 vaccination program for their employees. The court voted six to three, wait for it, (laughs) along conservative versus liberal lines, okay? that the executive branch of the federal government in creating major new policy regulations, the executive branch had to have clear, explicitly stated authority from the United States Congress, okay?
1: Meaning when they formed the Department of Labor and they gave it its mission, Right, there needs to be explicitly stated what its powers
0: its powers are, and if conditions have changed,
1: they need to update that.
0: The United States Congress needs to update it.
1: Right, <laughs> but the executive branch can't just say yes. Well, we feel like we now have this this law or this power that we didn't have before that that power comes from congress and it has to be updated by congress, congress. that's is right. is basically what the court was saying the court was saying no 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 you can't just assume power is not granted like that doesn't that's not how that works
0: and for listeners if you're wondering on what constitutional grounds the supreme court's relying upon as the per curiam opinion in this case pointed out okay We are a nation where the federal government is based on separation of powers and checks and balances. Yep. And some of you are like, "Oh, really? (laughs) Really, Augie?" And I'm like, "Yes, guys. Okay, it's there. There's a really good reason why you hear about you know separation of powers and checks and balances in high school civics, or your intro to U.S. government as an undergrad, or you know one." you know, one constitutional law class, you know, focuses on separation of powers and checks and balances because the Supreme Court every once in a while goes ahead and reminds us these are kind of sort of important, right? These yeah, are, these sort are
1: the sort of the foundation of democracy. If you want to have democracy. Yes, this is how you get it.
0: Yes. Um, I only have a couple more. Nia, are you ready? Okay. All right. It's been a long time since we mentioned, even as an example, Senator Ted Cruz from Texas.
1: okay. <laughs> I'm okay. I have many feelings about Ted Cruz.
0: I know you do, okay? And it's been a long time since we, you know, uh, you know chatted uh, <laughs> about Senator Cruz. But the Supreme Court this term actually handed down a decision where he was one of the named parties in the case. The case was Was it the Muppets versus
1: Ted Cruz?
0: No, 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 no. Because he hates the Muppets. But his kids like Dr. Seuss. <laughs> we know this because in a Senate filibuster a few years ago, he actually read from various Dr. Seuss books.
1: Oh, that's right. He read Green Eggs and Ham on the floor of the Senate. Anyway.
0: Yeah, right. No, the name of the case was the Federal Election Commission, FEC, versus Ted Cruz. The FEC had a rule that limited the amount of money that candidates who borrow you know lent money to their campaign. So let's say Nia, you're running for the United States Senate and Your fundraising operation doesn't raise enough money for you to run an effective campaign, but you're independently wealthy. So you decide to loan your campaign money. Let's say a million dollars. Yes, a million dollars. Because that's a nice round number. Yes, but the FEC had a rule that limited how much your campaign could repay to you individually.
1: They could repay me 500000 The other 500000 is a gift.
0: It is a gift, right? And Ted Cruz okay. went ahead and said, okay, that violates the First Amendment freedom of speech. Okay, because I should be able to, if I have enough personal wealth, I should be able to loan as much money as I want to to my campaign. And then if I win in my campaign, generates a whole bunch of fundraising money. My campaign should be able to repay me the full amount. And the United States Supreme Court agreed with Ted Cruz. (laughs) And right now, listeners, it's really too bad. We don't have, okay, the visual, okay, of this recording. Because Mia is shaking her head. Her hand is covering up her face.
1: Yeah. Well, here's my here's my problem with that. My problem with that is, in part, that's that's a, an interest-free loan to yourself. It's a weird. You get into some really weird money things. Oh. And tax things with that because you could hide money one year and get it back the next year. Like there's all kinds of
0: there. There are all they, that feels
1: they, like that, that, that feels like that's a terrible. This has to do with Citizens United, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Uh, See, and everything about Citizens United makes me want to put my fist through a screen. <laughs> so. <laughs> so i so now i want to find ted cruz and i don't want to punch him in the face but i want to yell at him i do i actually technically do want to punch him in the face but i won't because that doesn't solve anything and violence doesn't solve anything but i would love to yell at him um because <clears throat> i don't i that seems slimy that seems like a slimy thing in the- I, I don't know
0: in the problem here it's like is,
1: venture capital into yourself <laughs> it's really weird it's a weird
0: in the problem here is both liberal and conservative democratic and republican candidates do this kind of thing right it's cr- like, you know
1: it's slimy on both sides don't you think
0: yeah i mean increasingly okay we have a United States Congress populated by some really rich people right? okay I mean, our presidential candidates oh into in this category.
1: Yeah, this idea that you and I have that Mac could grow up to be president.
0: Oh my goodness. No. it's
1: totally unrealistic. It, it doesn't I mean Mac is smart and she's gonna be amazing and yes. she's gonna do all kinds of amazing things. but the reality is, Politics at that level is probably not open to her.
0: Oh, yeah, just simply because of money. Right. I mean, I, 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 I'm sorry, right? Uh,
1: and, and yes, we've had presidents who've come out of poverty. Nixon came out of poverty. Obama came out of, uh, if not poverty, lower middle class, right? Clinton came out of poverty. But it's like being a Hollywood movie star. Many, many millions of people moved to Hollywood and our wait staff and all kinds of things in all kinds of places hoping to be discovered. And they never are. They're perfectly talented people who, because of luck and timing and everything else don't end up, yeah, I I have so many feelings. Why do you do this to me? Okay.
0: The last two cases I wanna discuss were actually handed down yesterday. So, oh, okay, um, these were the last two uh, uh decisions. Um, and uh, Biden versus Texas, um, concerned the Bine administration's um, uh, revoking the Trump administration's remain in Mexico policy. Uh, Nia, this was known as the uh, Mexican migrant protocols. Uh, protection protocols, the MPP.
1: Oh, where no matter where you came from, you went to Mexico and you waited there in order to be processed into the United States. That's right. Either as an asylum seeker or as a migrant, whatever, whatever processing you're coming in through.
0: Yeah, and basically- And those
1: camps, by the way, are horrific.
0: Yes, the court uh, by a five to four vote And uh, this is where Chief Justice John Roberts and Justice Kavanaugh, uh, joined by the liberals, um, went ahead and said that the Biden administration could revoke the Trump administration's remain in Mexico policy. And Roberts' majority opinion based it on the fact that the lower courts could not hamstring um, what a presidential administration does um, in the realm of foreign policy in foreign policy so once again the United uh, a majority of the Supreme Court basically sets up the executive branch as being the dominant actor in u.s foreign policy okay I mean this is just yet another example so you know um, Um, As as I told a a television reporter, you might like what the Biden administration is doing, but if you're concerned about presidential power and foreign affairs, we have yet another example where the U.S. Supreme Court has said, well, it's the domain of presidents. It's the domain of presidents.
1: I don't like that. It should be the domain of Congress.
0: Uh, or at least, I mean, again, you, 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 you wanna, Or in conjunction, you want to uh, talk about separate but shared powers. Right. right? Um, you know, Article One, Section 8 of the U.S. Constitution says Congress has significant immigration policy authority. Um, I would actually like to see some of the, shall we say, authority and obligation be directed to Congress. Right, right? Uh, I mean, because what's going on down at the border, I don't care where you fall on this immigration debate, is just horrific. Right. Okay. These
1: camps are horrible.
0: The camps are horrible. The demand of non-U.S. citizens to enter the United States is not abating. It's not ending. Right.
1: right? We need to have a better system than the system. It infuriates me, this has been a problem for, for 100 decades. years, for yes. 100 years, and Congress has to fix it, you have to, there has to be a better system. The, what's so infuriating to me about, about many folks in Congress is they talk about how fantastic the United States is, right, best country in the world, yada, 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 right, like all these things, and I'm not arguing that. But if you're going to tell people in the rest of the world that that's the case, then you need to give them a way to enter the United States legally and join in that celebratory fabulousness that is the United States. Yeah, I mean, or you need to say, we're closing our borders, nobody's coming in, period, end of story. Like it. This thing where people end up in the back of a semi truck and die.
0: Is, is because that,
1: they're trying to get to the greatest country in
0: the world, like unconscionable. And again, we are recording the week, the week of where outside of San Antonio,
1: 51 people,
0: 50 51 souls died. Okay. Um, and, locked
1: in the back of a truck.
0: Okay. and And, and again, okay the finger pointing, the blaming of, you know. Right. uh,
1: It's, it's mules. It's people who bring them across. Those people are terrible. And
0: it's the state of Texas problem. You know, at, at this point, I don't care. Right. You know what I care about is the fact that we have people who are risking their lives. Okay. And we have no policy to go ahead and deal with their demand. They want to come here. They want to come here, okay? Well, now, and I mean, if we
1: want to fix that, we could help fix our neighbors. Yes. So that the demand to come here is less. Like that's- Okay. That's part of what we could and, do, and but- if we don't
0: uh, want to, uh, And if we don't want to do that, okay, then we need to have some sort of sensible policy because right now, right? the policy changing with every presidential administration is not the way to address the policy problem. Right. OK, but anyways, the last one, and this one's a kicker, right? Oh, this one hurts my heart. If yeah. it's the
1: one I think you're going to talk, are you going to talk about the EPA?
0: Yeah, the climate change ruling. Okay? Yeah, this one hurts my heart. Um, so the name of the case is West Virginia versus EPA. Um, and what was at issue? Was whether or not a provision of the Clean Air Act, which me and I have discussed in a previous podcast episode,
1: we did. And <laughs> in fact, we talked about the EPA. EPA, <laughs> go clean the United States, and we talked about getting giant filters and putting them at the edge of at California and Washington and Oregon, and making yeah. all the air that comes from the West go through this filter. And we're just going to clean the air until the United States. I mean, until the world is clean
0: air. Yes whether or not Congress actually authorized the EPA to issue significant rules, and in particular, okay, those capable of reshaping the nation's electricity grids, okay?
1: Right, turning off cold fou- coal-fired plants and okay. rebuilding structure in different ways, and yeah.
0: Okay, um,
1: and... Which we need, by the way. The grid is... The, the electrical 100 grid, years old and falling apart. Ask anybody in California who worries about wildfires, like it's a thing,
0: even if we didn't address how we fueled the electrical grid. The electrical grid needs attention, yeah, because it's old, it's obsolete. Okay, and mm-hmm. we have like 130 million more Americans than when major segments of the electrical <laughs> grid were created. Right? Exactly. Okay. But anyways, the Supreme Court by six to three vote, again, six conservatives, three liberals, okay, held that the Clean Air Act, as currently written, doesn't give the EPA the authority to issue what was the Obama administration's clean power program. Okay. And the reason why the Supreme Court concluded this was, much like with the OSHA case and the COVID-19 vaccination, the court said that, and this is known as the major questions doctrine, the major questions doctrine, for an agency to issue any regulation that has a major or significant policy and economic effect that Congress must clearly give the agency the authority to do so. Basically, Nia, much like you described a few minutes ago, the United States Supreme Court is saying to Congress, if climate change is a problem, guess which branch of the federal government needs to address it? Right. Congress. Y'all need to get off
1: your butt and do something. Even if what that means is saying to the EPA, we give you the power to go fix the climate. That's right. Go do whatever you need to go do.
0: But the law, as currently written, doesn't doesn't give them
1: the power to do that.
0: That's right. Okay. And again. um, And
1: what hurts my heart about this is that Congress has had, since 1972, when the EPA was founded, they have had opportunities to update its its powers and responsibilities but congress does things like ta da we've created the EPA and then they walk away and don't and don't upkeep they don't upkeep the you know what like there was the whole dispute and it's not part of this but i'm just going to bring it up briefly there was the whole dispute of what, whether the cdc could actually require vaccinations and it's because they didn't have that power written into
0: the authorizing legislation. Right.
1: So, you know, you know how you fix that? You bring it up in committee. You bring it up in the Congress. You find a compromise. Everybody agrees. Everybody signs off. And then the CDC can or can't do certain things because you've empowered it to do them. I, I, I don't know of anyone, Republican or Democrat, who wants the electrical grid to fail. no. Maybe, yeah. maybe our friend, Mr. Cruz, but everybody else is interested in having the electrical Well, I mean, I only say that because Texas's electrical grid failed. He went to Cancun. Um, not, not good timing, Ted, but, but A reliable
0: the, electric grid. Right. Okay. Is necessary. I don't care. And it's you. not
1: controversial. I don't
0: care where you fall on the ideological spectrum. Right. You need need reliable uh, uh, electrical grid for businesses. You need it for schools. You need it for hospitals, right? Right. You you need it for, you know, traffic lights. Okay. Um, It is
1: 100% non-controversial. Do you like electricity? Nobody answers that question. No. (laughs) Well... I mean, yeah. I guess maybe the Amish and the Mennonites, but, well, but generally say, speaking,
0: speaking, yeah, but it, it's, it's the like, vast
1: majority of Americans are like, oh, I like when I flick this switch and the lights come on. That's really handy. Uh, it, it, why, why, why yeah. doesn't Congress? And the answer is because Congress doesn't like to do things that. that Congress has become a group of people who are protecting their ability to stay in Congress rather than, their, than getting stuff done. What they want to do is get reelected.
0: Well, and, and in regards to addressing climate change, you know, some of the solutions that may get tried out might not work. But are we going to go ahead and be governed by our fear of a solution possibly not working or are we going to be governed by we think this is a problem let's try various solutions right Right. um and and again you know (sighs) uh it's exhausting
1: yeah but the court so, what you can take away from this court, this this um, term, yeah, yeah. I know I always want to call it season, and you're like it's not a season, Nia. Um, this term is is that the controversial things got a six three vote. Yes. Most of the time they got a six three. Occasionally they got five four, but mostly they got six three. And those are what make the news. Yes. Which is what gives people the impression that we have had a wildly divisive court. Now, in 20% of the cases, we didn't have a divisive court at all. We had nine O's. Yes. And no one put it in the news. No one cares. Which should remind our listeners that if you're only getting your news about the Supreme court from modern media, that you need to find another source. You need to go to SCOTUS blog, you need to go to the ABA blog, you need to go to the Supreme Court's website and just read stuff, right? Like, you you need to realize that that they are not as divisive, that what makes the news is what bleeds, right? Like, that's Yes. that's how newspapers make their bread and butter especially now that newspapers are dying so you you see a lot more of that sort of explosive oh we're going to talk about all these controversial things and they they almost never bring up the things that were decided unanimously
0: yeah i mean because it,
1: that's not salacious and it's not exciting and it's not going to get you to, it's not going to get most people to be angry
0: get out of your twitter feeds okay um, Get off of
1: TikTok for a
0: minute. Okay. And, and just... And, 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 and by the way, you don't even have to read the full opinions. Read the abstracts at the beginning, right? right? Um, But I mean...
1: Or find a nice neutral blog that you can read where they just tell you what was decided.
0: Yes. They don't tell you
1: how to feel about it. And then and then
0: that's why, you know, uh, Nia, I love your recommendation of SCOTUS blog, right? Because, you know, generally they have... Re- You know, really good summaries of what the Supreme Court decided.
1: Yeah. And they'll often give you links to cases that are either affected by the case or affected the case. Yes. Right. So that's kind of nice if you want to do something in depth. But if you don't, you don't have to. But try to be informed by people who are not interested in inflaming you in some way. Yes. Because the thing is, the reason that they do that is so that you'll stay on their website. The longer you stay clicked into their website, the yes. more money they make. Yes, because they're selling your eyeballs to advertisers. So just not engaging with that is, I think, a helpful, a helpful way to think about it. And I know that we have um, that we're going to do another episode on the things that are coming up. Yes. Uh but I did want to I I did want to just um if I could the don't they sometimes not decide cases and like hold those cases over?
0: Uh yeah, do you have a specific example?
1: No, no, I was just wondering if that happened this time. No. Does that happen in every, okay, so it doesn't happen in every term. No, no. It just, it it occasionally happens where they're like, yeah, we're going to come back to this. Turns out this is more.
0: Yeah, I mean. We're biting
1: off more than we thought we were or.
0: And listeners, what Nia is referencing is the fact that in some uh, small number of very prominent Supreme Court rulings, the court heard oral arguments and then decided to hold the case over and rehear the case. So we saw this, for instance, with Brown versus Board, uh, uh, where the Supreme Court held that segregation was unconstitutional. The Supreme Court first heard the case in 1953, but then they decided to uh, hold it over and hear uh, re. Uh, re-arguments in 1954, and that's when they decided the case. Uh, That also, by the way, happened with Roe v. Wade.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Roe v. Wade was heard in the 1972 term. Um, uh, The vote uh, on the court was close, and the justices decided to rehear the case, okay?
1: Okay. But that's not a common... No,
0: it's not a common um, uh, occurrence.
1: And last thing, So is it just me or is this the most unpopular court in like the history of unpopular courtness? Well, uh, (laughs) Um, I mean, people are downright grumpy. uh,
0: Yeah. um, This is a court um, that according to public opinion polls, uh, public approval of the court is at an all time low, okay? Yeah,
1: usually the court comes out better than Congress and the president.
0: And it still is. It still is. Okay. But compared to public approval of the court, generally speaking, um, uh, this is the lowest, the, the court's public approval has been even lower than the Warren Court. And oh, the me, Civil
1: Rights Court.
0: Yeah, yes. Okay. Ooh. So, you know, when you think about the Warren Court, Nia, in addition to Brown versus Board, the Warren Court also issued a number of rulings that uh, protected uh, the rights of those accused of crime, right? So, yeah, Miranda versus Arizona, Map versus Ohio, right? The Warren Court was also the court that went ahead and said voting rights disputes could be heard by federal courts okay so okay. um it's even lower and to me what's it's even lower now and to me what's really fascinating is the juxtaposition of how liberals versus conservatives view the courts plummeting public approval right so <laughs> You don't see very many conservative Republican elected officials lamenting the court's low public approval, which is different than what you saw in the 1950s and 60s, because conservatives were beating up on the court. Right. right. The court. But now
1: they're loving the court because it's going more their way. Okay. It's just proof that people. Okay. When they're in the winning on the winning side, they like it, and when they're not on the winning side, they don't.
0: Yeah, I mean, and you have liberals, okay, on the court, Democratic politicians. I mean, my news feed was just chock full of elected Democratic officials who were bemoaning, okay, the court's lack of legitimacy, right, right?
1: and that this is now the time when we should consider adding more justices, justices, like. All kinds of stuff.
0: But in the 1950s and 60s? Other you, side. The, the liberals were just like, go court, go, right? Exactly. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, wow. Okay. You know, without hypocrisy, would there be a standard? <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> you know, and This is a pendulum.
0: Right? Yeah, this is. Right? You know... Would it shock me if by the end of this decade or the early part of the 2030s, the Supreme Court's public approval uh, ratings were once again high? No, it wouldn't shock me because that's what has happened in the past. Right. And
1: also the swing from conservative will swing back towards...
0: Yeah, you get enough Democratic presidents with a, a Senate controlled by the Democratic Party, Okay, a few, a few of the conservative justices retire or die, and and you shift the court. You shift the court because right
1: now the conservative dem the the conservative demographic, yes, is skewing to retirement, whereas the liberal demographic is not.
0: Yeah, because the two oldest justices on the current Supreme Court now
1: are on the conservative side. Yeah, or
0: Thomas and Alito.
1: Right can't live forever, (laughs) although they can try. Um, And we wish them all the best in their attempts to do so because we don't want to see anybody.
0: No, uh, this is not a podcast that wishes anybody's uh, death or retirement.
1: Uh, (laughs) I wish some people would retire. I wish President Putin would retire. Um, I don't wish anybody's death, but I do wish some people's retirements. But you're right. On the Supreme Court, we don't wish that because so that's not our place.
0: So, Nia, your view is uh, the old bartender adage uh, at closing time. Um, you don't have to go home. You just got to get out of here.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Yep. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about some people.
0: All right. All right we're going to get
1: together for one more and that will be sort of our future look towards what's going to happen in the next term Yes. and, and that kind of thing. Yes. All right. Well, we'll talk then.
0: All right. Thanks, Nia. Thank you.